Welcome to the NLPCourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello, welcome to this week's NLP Podcast. My name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host. Now, I like playing with ideas, especially when it's around a language. So, for example, left and right hemispheres have opposite but equal language. So what do we mean by that? Well, you've come across the work of Dr. Roger Sperry, who won a Nobel Prize for left and right hemisphere research. And in the left hemisphere, we process mathematics. So what is the equal and opposite language in the right hemisphere? Music. Music is mathematical. And it's no accident that Pythagoras was a musician and also that there was Mozart who used to scribble algebra on the side of his compositions. Einstein played the violin, Richard Feynman played the bongos, and we keep seeing this correlation. Let's take a different route into how language affects communication. I come across a lady called Margaret Magnus who proposes a very simple experiment where, reading from her website, she says, I would like to encourage people who read this page to try the following simple experiment. In about three hours, any native speaker of English can convince themselves beyond reasonable doubt that there's a relationship between the sound of the word and its meaning, and it's not arbitrary. Wow. So sound carries meaning. Would that impact our communication? I think it would and start to play with some sounds. Let's start with the letter B. The letter B at the beginning of the word creates an impression of an unpleasant or assertive, aggressive behaviour. And they describe aggressive people. Bully, bastard, bitch, ramble, bouncer. And they'll also be assertive, especially with granting the kind, the bold, the big, the broad, brazen, blatant, bossy, brag. There's also a softer way of doing this, which carry the similar meaning, but not so harsh. So they have the word be hidden in the word, like oboe, blue, black, brown, bag, ball, bear, but, bitter. Think of them as starting points to create an atmosphere. So again, let's recap. What does the sound be create? It creates an atmosphere of violence, of physical fights, of somehow bullying. The characteristics a person enjoys intimidating others. So if you're given a public talk and you would like to create an enemy, somebody who comes across as aggressive, you can say the big boss man who drank beer and always bullied his way to the top. Now that's slightly overdoing it, but you can hear that sound of the bee coming through. But there is another side to the bee sound. 
is not just about bullying and brutality. It also has an effect of humour. And if you use more bees with a group, you'll have more people laughing at your jokes. Ah. So it also suggests some sort of comedic element like bumble, stumble, bungle, slob, brag, blob, buffoon. But he also hints at shapes that are large objects, that are overweight bodies. Obviously there's ball, globe, barrel, tub, big, abs, flabby. So we'd then use the sound of the B for humour. So if you've got some funny parts of the talk or if you're a writer and you're writing things like slapstick and comedy, B is great for that. But you don't want to be a buffoon about it. And if you want to emphasize that drunkenness, that clumsiness of somebody's movement, that's great for that. If you want to hint at obesity without spelling it out, use those big plump words with the sound of the B in it. Now at this point, I would really like to emphasize that you can overdo this. So just a light touch in a very tasteful way. Otherwise you'll sound like a bumbling beetle that's balling over. Yes, it sounds clumsy. Let's move on to our next sound, the sound of ch and j. Note the similar sounds of j and ch, especially for that excitement, celebration, that achievement. Words like joy, cheer, jubilant, jamboree, jolly, achieve, jester, cherish. So if you phrase something along the lines of, they may celebrate the jubilee in January rather than the anniversary in November carries that much bigger sound of achievement. So we can use cha and ja when we want to have merry celebrations, scenes of triumphant and celebration, such as the national holidays, triumphal processes. We can also mix the P sound in with the cha and ja to make it more fun or mix the F for more laid back partying. Ah, the secret word of sound. But here's the thing, don't feel dejected or down or in the dumps just because you've come across this for the first time. And that brings us to the D sound, which creates that dejected mood and drunk, drab. Even in unrelated words that have that duh sound, you create a downward mood and it'd be under the hood as the rod of the car exploded into a loud, Bang, that took my mood down. So when do we use D sounds? When all hope is lost, unhappiness, a depressed mood, maybe after the battle and things are low. But when things are down, things might start to become spooky and eerie. There's a creak and a fear that creeps upon us and with sheer fright, we weep. Which brings us to the sound of E, which creates that creepy effect in somebody's mind. Very spooky. And words that have the same kind of sound, like clear, still, dear, will, creates that ghost story, that horror fiction, that creepy locations, when we might want to put a bit of frightening into the conversation. Do you fear not being successful? Do you wish that you wouldn't weep at your losses? Then you need to book onto our practitioner. Sometimes that little bit of fear of loss can go a long way. 
And if you combine E with S, you increase the spookiness of the situation. Enough of fear. Let's have a little bit of fantasy. Let's be a little bit more flamboyant, free and fabulous as we know that you are so we can have fun. Ah, F gives us that little playful, unconcerned about serious matters anymore. Superficial sometimes. And F brings us back to that carefree fate where we flirt with success and we fling ourselves at the world. And we may ruffle a few feathers, but in that flourish, we'll always have a bit of flair. So to describe F, describes that light entertainment such as parties and fun fairs superficial flamboyant too much flaunt in it can come across as greasy and then the gloom of the gritty world starts to become gummy and gooey and we feel clogged so we're heading towards guh the sound adds a layer of unpleasantness and disgust so Related, unrelated words with that sound can enhance the effect like gripped in such a great pang of guilt. And once I get it, I walked into the garden and gulped my big drink of Coke. Gurgling. The G creates a sense of gritty realism. You want to arouse a sense of disgust to show unacceptable living conditions how could you grapple with the gloominess of everyday existence when you could come and take our NLP training it would move you to the heavens to the top of the hilltops above the hierarchy ahead of all the rest it gives us hope RH hints at something high up places objects people and they could be physical they give us honor happiness honesty, humility and heart. I'm too high-minded, we become haughty and we may fall from up high and down into the hell of the helpless, horrible, hatred, depths of despair. So H has various different, it can take us up high or down low. We notice the difference rather than saying listening to a divine music we hear heavenly tunes. Sponsor of this week's NLPCourses.com podcast show, the NLP Practitioner Training, designed to transform your life. Attend the first day completely free. Find out more. Head over to the website to secure your place with the next NLP Practitioner. Now, H, for its most part, comes at the beginning of a word. When I win, it does appear elsewhere, it creates a different sound, like ache, flash other. These unrelated and create a same effect but in much diluted form as such get paired together. So things like high hopes, heaven and hell, head and heart. Now we have to be careful here because they can come across as cliched because it's used so much. Great for talking about ambitions but be careful because you can come across as arrogant with too many H's. People will want to belittle you as they chip away at your armor and there's a glitch in the way that you communicate and it all becomes trivial. The short sound of I, the itsy bitsy little things indicate the word I, kids, children, nipper, slip, miss, chit. 
pixie, all small. They convey rapid movements like flick, flip, hit, whisk. When you want to emphasize how tiny something is, to create a contrast with something that is much bigger, just picks little words with the I sound and you can trivialize a situation. Just start to slow things down in a lazy, leisurely way and just mellow back as we laid back in a very pleasant, lingering moment. The L sound conveys idleness, a slow relaxation, pleasures of desire, sensuality, lick, tickle, leer, lips, lust. Ah, it may suggest a passive, unresistant nature as pliant, yielding, complying. So use L sounds to create a lazy atmosphere. And by creating that lazy laid back atmosphere, when you go in for the attack and you break the mold and you create a hook that blocks people's objections, you have much more contrast. Sounds like K, Q, K represents hard, shake, painful events, come across as verbal attacks. People are criticizing, they are quibbling. The K sound represents the sharp blades, the hack, the cut, the claw, scalp, scar, knuckles, the knocks. It conveys that sharp, painful situations and verbal arguments are enhanced by K. People feel attacked. What happens if you are attacked? Then we want to be comforted. We want to be merciful. We want to be mellow and warmth and have a lovely ambience about the place. The M sound for home, for comforts, for mother, mammal, Madonna, moon, womb. These are all sounds that create that sense of comfort. And when you create meaning and there's ample time, you create cozy experiences a family atmosphere, a longing for that home and our loved ones, that maternal strength. But even when we deny this of ourselves and we decline to move forward and that we ban ourselves from certain actions that we never and nothing will move us, we're in denial. N sound, no, suggests something is forbidden. It's unacceptable undesirable, ungodly, unreasonable, uncouth. Oh, no, none. We use the sound of n to, for denial. It gives us a sense of forbidding. No more places, none will be accepted any further. It can signify a sound of contempt. Uh-oh, but they have honorable intentions, brave, suffering, noble heroes. Oh, 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 evokes loyalty, nobility, and a hero to honor, to glory, the God, soul, Lord, oath, bravery. But even in that time of bravery, we can have blows of foes, of woes, of broken, of moaning. And when you create that of in paragraphs, you create a rolling sound. As if there's music in the air, the throne, 
the lone, the oboe playing in the slow melody, the hero's march. So we want to purvey something that's noble, heroic, use O or Ho. When we to invoke a loyalty, then we might stand on our principles, our politics, our parliaments, our empires. We wish to improve ourselves and we impose our thoughts onto others. Will's authority, the president, the prelude, the perfect, the emperor, the empress, the priest, the prince. P stands for authority, it's masculinity. The P sounds parade, the portal, display, prompt, the peacock. And they give that kind of judgment sound, that military, law enforcement, punishment, penalty, probe, passport, platoon, population, plead, process. Also that stick-like objects like pole, pile, peg, pillar. And then there's an action, the poke, the pierce, the prong, the push, the pin, the prick. So we use P sounds to purvey authority. Maybe a male-only environment, priority of character, pride in self, display power. Let's hurry past the puh sound and rush into a race of fun, of rapid advancement, where we explore R. Want to give a sense of something moving quickly and there's a flurry of fun and rapid movement towards our goals. But let's be discreet, because I have a confession, a secret, and a silent whisper of an idea. That sound creates meaning far and above the words, and you take it in the spirit that it's meant to be. S. When we create the sound S, it can be spooky, but it all can also can mean silent secret, secretive effect on our communication. And before we run down the slippery slope and find ourselves in the sludge, sl can imply several different unpleasant, undesirable things. And we can come across as slimy if we have too many secrets, maybe a little bit sleazy. Workmanship can be slapdash. Or we can boost the effect and create a slab, a slot, a slow sliver, a sleep. You can see how the sounds create different sensations. So we use slur to suggest poor craftsmanship. Struggle down the slippery slope of success. I instruct you in the strict ways of using the sounds within language. There's a strong idea that is being pushed a stride, a, a struggle to stay straight and constant. Stra gives the sound of strict rules, discipline, restrictions. But if we don't want to strangle the thought of this, we can use a mild effect by using words like stern, stir, storm. So we can use stra for the sense of that kind of punishment again authority. It also pervades this relationship of an unequal power. Student, teacher, child, parent, apprentice, master. But what if we wanted to call the mighty forces of nature? Then W stands before us. 
represents anything to do with water and wind, to whirl, to waft, to billow, wilderness, wash, wave, water, swamp. Great for that wild nature of things, the stormy weather and overwhelming emotions against all the forces. But as we become bamboozled with the sound and the bizarre effect that sounds can have on our communication, you may become puzzled or even a little bit hazed at where you're going to use all this. And this has been a whole bunch of linguistic fun and I hope you found it useful. If you're interested on how the sounds impact meaning, there's a great book called The Gods of the Words, Architects of the Consonants. Margaret Magnus. This session has been a lot of fun for me, I don't know about you, but I'm interested in how language and how sounds affect us. There's no accident that Richard Banner was a musician and musicians listen to sound in a different way. As always, if you've got any questions, if I can serve you in any way, do let me know. Until next time, John Cassie Rice, thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in. You were just listening to NLPCourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to NLPCourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro linguistics, programming, and beyond.